Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. What's up, Edge? Hey, Isaac. You want to have a beer and talk some ProQuest? One step ahead of you. <laughs> uh, Taylor's off coaching high school basketball and not partaking in any of the ProQuests, so Mitch and I are going to have a chat about what we learned at uh, the during the first weekend of ProQuest season. Um, there is a brand new set out, and there have there's been like one event, so we figured we could just sit down and discuss, you know, what we anticipated going into it and, you know, uh, what we learned from it, uh, which hopefully will be, you know, helpful for somebody who maybe attended one event or didn't attend any and is going to some this weekend, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, we're just trying to make sense of the week one madness. So yeah, totally. Uh, it was kind of madness. There are a lot of different heroes. Mm-hmm. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, pretty good diversity there. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very fun event. Um, okay, so first first off, we do have a little bit of news. The calling that's taking place in Europe. First off. Sound effect. <laughs> um, the calling that is taking place in Europe is uh, happening in Poland. So congratulations, Poland. Congratulations, Europe. They uh, have, you know, we kind of got the lion's share of the events over here, and I know they've been, you know, chopping at the bit to to get it some some high level competition. So everybody enjoy that over there. Yeah, tell us how it goes. Yeah, um, you have any shout outs? Uh, yeah, I guess going going into this event, uh, I was short a couple of cards, and so I got on Discord and in a panic because it was too late for me to order more cards uh i just kind of went on discord went can somebody help me hook it up with like three even bigger than that's and one of the judges at the event um i think it's it's mal something on discord i'm sorry bro i forgot but uh yeah he said uh i'll hook it up and um, when i got there his uh his buddy oliver um hooked it up with with three copies and i got to play with them so that really helped and i was just feeling really grateful and uh just you know even in a kind of high stakes competition that people are willing to share cards to help your potential opponent uh do better is really cool to see so uh, i was really stoked on that and it gave me really good vibes going into it so yeah yeah definitely and uh yeah let's just shout out forgotten path in general in vacaville they put on an excellent tournament their judges were super cool and super on it and very friendly, and the whole uh, event was really, really enjoyable. It was really good to see all the NorCal players down there, and um, I just had a blast. It just really felt like most people are just about like community and playing the game, you know. Yeah, people weren't like you know bitterly competitive and angry at each other. It was just like having a good time. Yeah, I think I was. No, no. Everybody that I lost to and everybody that I beat, were everybody was very friendly. So, nice. uh, yeah. Good vibes all around. Great weekend. Yeah. Great job, Forgotten Path. Um, so, unfortunately, we there's another event down there, somewhere down there this weekend. But we'll be headed up to Portland um, to meet a couple friends of ours and uh, play up there because there are two events up there. So, that will make it worth our while. So, we're... Uh, 
We're coming, Portland. Be Watch ready. out. <laughs> okay, so um, let's just dive right into the main topic. Um, this ProQuest, well, our event was uh, seemingly very diverse, but uh, we do have some statistics from the first weekend. And as expected, uh, Starvo or Bravo, star of the show, made a, a splash. Yeah, definitely had a big presence at the ProQuest we went to as well. Um, I think out of 32 players, there was six of them, maybe more. Is that it? That's pretty good. I mean, pretty low, relatively. Yeah, but uh, their presence was definitely felt. They they did pretty good, so. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, according to this this chart we're looking at right here, there were 97 Starvos in uh, all events this past weekend. Uh, the second most appearances was Viserai at 40 and then Prism at 25. Oh, sorry. Chain at 27, Prism at 25. And then comes Lexi at 16. And then Old Him and Old School Bravo at 10 apiece. So, uh, you know, pretty strong showing for uh, Starvo, Viserai, and then... You know, Chain and Prism also were pretty strong there. Um, it looks, though, like uh, Starvo had an incredible top eight uh, conversion rate and event win rate, um, which is really incredible, especially considering uh, how many Starvos are beating Starvos also. Yep. So that makes uh, that showing pretty impressive. Um, but it looks like a lot of people are... You know, attacking the meta in different ways, right? Viscerai is a really strong choice overall. You know, Prism uh, hopefully counters Starvo. There's just, uh, you know, to me, Bravo Star of the Show is like a very aggressive, very strong deck. But uh, there are definitely ways to counter it. And it kind of felt to me like people were kind of testing the waters and trying different things out to see, you know, how it would perform. Yeah, it seems like there's maybe two schools of thought going into Starvo. One is to sideboard in unmovables and try to play defensively and just try to ride out his high roll turns. And then the other tactic might be kind of, um, well, I suppose three. One might be more of an aggressive approach and just try to get on the front foot and, and get him to dump his hand. Um, I don't know if that one's very successful. And then the third one would be just with hand disruption stuff like Ice Lexi or Old Him or um, things that, that punish your hand, not just your life total, uh, for getting hit. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the new star of the show really hates uh, hand disruption. You know, I think that's a pretty key way. Because I was leading up to this event, so I was gone for two weeks before this event. So back then, leading up to it, I was... I was trying to, I was thinking about taking a more aggressive approach and like trying something a bit funky, you know, uh, trying to take people off or by surprise or off guard. But then when I got back from my trip right before this weekend, it was just like, I mean, Bravo's probably on average fairly strong into some of these aggressive decks just because of the, the high disruption, you know, it's. It's like three crippling crushes, three spinal crushes, three oaken olds, 
there's like a lot of cards that they can see and disrupt you before you kill them. So I personally um, reverted back to Ice Lexi and took that approach um, at this event. I was a bit unsure about Prism, uh, kind of daunted by Viscerai, but felt like I, I could get there. And, you know, the big X factor for me was that I, I hadn't played against Starvo yet. And just in theory, you know, I felt like I needed a way to to beat that deck or to stand a chance against it. So I personally went for hand disruption. Um, what were your thoughts leading up to this? How did you prepare or you're looking at the meta? Uh, okay, so I guess I have to premise this with I only play three characters or classes, illusionist, wizard, and ninja. And that's just because of the card pool I have. Um, and I'm too cheap to go out and buy another class. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we all only play a few classes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, tested for probably, what, three weeks a month beforehand, twice a week. Um, just a couple games each time. Uh, just got whomped by Bravo, like, over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, uh, with with a, with a variety of, of different uh, classes. But, um, yeah, I definitely realized I, I needed to take Zyrankatsu, I need to take a board defensive uh, stance there because trying to race him, he just kind of didn't care. Like, you can threaten more damage with Katsu, and there's more tools now. But if he still has his five-card hand and then just the old machine starts, uh, there's nothing you could do. Uh, so you need to be able to to do something about old and Spinal Crush. And, um, and yeah, you don't really have hand disruption uh, as Katsu. So, yeah, going into it, basically just had a sideboard of nine defense reactions and just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and that uh, that saw you through in your first Starbound matchup, actually. It did, yeah. Um, yeah, I got pretty fortunate there. I think he also wasn't running uh, the Pummel Fang, uh, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on his off turns, there's still you're still just going to get pummeled. It's it's tough, like even if you and I think going forward I I might sight in maybe some more blues or just have more blues in my core just so I can have more options to use unmovable cuz sometimes you're just dumping your whole hand to pay for it. Um which doesn't feel good cuz you know, they'll just pulse a oak and old back or they'll have some other thing for you Um, yeah well that is one thing about that deck right is like if you if you block with a card from hand and a flick flack and then a combo card block winter's rail you know they they may maintain tempo but they didn't really leak that much damage so um you know uh starvo is not a combo deck the ceiling's you know fairly set so i think that that's uh you know not a a bad line to take against it, really. Um, okay, so I guess let's just uh, let's dive right into the event and uh, kind of walk through our matchups, like what we saw and our takeaways from them. Sure. You know. Um, all right. So, who did you face round one? Uh, round one was a Katsu mirror. Um, Nice. That, that was super fun. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> we both had very similar deck lists and, and pretty similar approaches, uh, which was basically just aggro and try to grab tempo. So it was just like 
punching each other in the face <laughs> back and forth until we got to 10 life and went, oh yeah, right, we're supposed to block. Uh, <laughs> Did your game last six minutes? It, it was pretty short, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think towards the end of it, um, I think I started playing more five-card hands. He started playing more four-card hands, and I, I think I eventually got on the front foot there. And then uh, I think he was he was a little green, and, and he did uh, Gadachi Gadachi pop cross strap into Surging Strike, and that turns off Mask. And so I just took the damage, and it I mean, that, that gave me all the momentum I needed. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, unfortunate. That's, that's kind of it. Yeah, it's not totally. really intuitive, but... It's kind of easy to do. Like, people, you know... Um, in Like, in Bolton, they'll break the gauntlets at the wrong time or whatever. You know, it's it's fairly... Unless you're well-practiced at a deck, it's pretty easy to accidentally interrupt the combat chain. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a... You know, a old hat at Katsu, so that's, like, second nature, but... Yeah. It's yeah, not intuitive if you don't care about the chain. There's, yeah. there's weird things there with the chain. Um, cool. Uh, round one, I faced uh, Dory Axes, which, um, you know, with like Blade Runner especially and some of the new cards, the efficiency of that deck is like pretty impressive. But fortunately, my, you know, Taxes deck was like, you know, it was good enough to disrupt. Like he could only output so much damage if you wanted to trade and... uh you know, I was winning that race. Halfway through, he switched to fatigue, just trying to block everything out. Um, which, like playing Lexi, that can, especially Ice Lexi, that can catch you off guard. But if you like identify it and then manage the threats in your deck better, um, it actually can be like pretty hard to fatigue that deck. Cause I can like take a turn off, like I can play Channel Lake Frigid, load an arrow, and arsenal a card. And then I'm set up for a six-card hand that's like three wide with maybe a buff um, just to get over his blocks. So, you know, I got there in the end. That was a pretty good matchup for me. But, you know, just kind of I never thought I'd say this. It's kind of cool to see Dorinthia again. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, how um, how, how is Axe Dorinthia? I mean, it seems like kind of a, a sneaky... Um, good pick maybe i don't know how do you feel about it uh yeah i think it's probably pretty impressive because if you i mean if you blade run or an axe then it's like two and then six for uh two cards so eight for two cards blade runner and a blue yeah that's pretty good um and then i think the spill blood turns and stuff can get like uh pretty out of control or like they can have bigger turns like that but um, you know, again, I think I just had a good matchup. It's like, I, uh, don't particularly want to block and I could tax his hand and cost curve enough, you know, to, to hamper it. So I think it was just a poor matchup for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I fully expect to see, because I think warrior got some, uh, actual good tools in this set. And I fully expect to see, you know, maybe not a ton of Dorinthi is like in may but um at like upcoming armories and pro quests and like tournaments i you know people love playing warrior i think that we'll see uh you know quite a few more um more warriors and people exploring that that class 
Yeah, I think it's a cool class and one that has been missing from the meta for for a long time. And I mean, it's not Dawnblade Dory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole damned if you block, damned if you don't scenario, it doesn't quite apply the same way anymore, but... Totally. Um, but I mean, her, her ability still allows you to then swing the first axe again, you know, if you're like getting really, really wild with it. You have to get go again each time, but again, now it's like hit and runs, blade runner. There's like a lot of ways to get go again. So, um, right. you know, I think it can get get pretty efficient that way. Um, all right. Let's talk about round two. Round two. Round two was I faced a, a Channel Mart Heroic Briar. Um, uh, nice. Classic. Yep. Classic. Uh, basically my strategy going into it was just, uh, hammer down, just go as fast as you can and present as much damage as possible. Um, and then if they manage to get heroic out, then just try to go even faster, uh, or just, just really, you know, make them like either think twice or just really get punished about, uh, about taking damage to come at you with, with Mount Heroic, which, which is kind of how it went down. I think their first Mount Heroic, I ended up just taking it all on the face for like 14 or 15 damage. Cause I think he played it and then played like, yeah, I just tried to, um, I don't know, play like three card hands, like, and then, yeah, just pivot into the most efficient turns I could. Um, but yeah, so I took the first heroic basically just on the chin and then uh, came back at him hard. And then he, I think he was kind of getting down on life, took a bunch of damage to play out a second heroic, and then like whiffed on a bunch of non attack actions. Um, so he basically had nothing to come at me with. But mm-hmm. um, but then like he took kind of too much damage to get it out anyways. So he was getting to be kind of Gadachi locked. And um, gotcha. I think I was able to close it out with a. Uh, um, break tide which is cool nice yeah boy the clock's really ticking when you get low against gadachis yeah and well it's cool too that the the break tide is like a dominate that's also uh you know you can play razor reflex on or pop your gauntlets on or yeah scales i mean um so that's pretty cool um i think it's a underrated very powerful tool in katsu's toolkit and I was complaining about how Katsu didn't get anything in Everfest for a while. I was kind of unbearable. Uh, <laughs> even bigger than that, and Break Tide are both very good cards. Nice. Oh. Nice. Um, yeah, and something, because I played a Briar later on, something that I noticed about that deck is now that they can only make one Embodiment of Earth, it's like a lot more manageable. Like, it's still a very powerful deck and can run you over, but... The fact that if you choose to shift momentum, you know, they can't just block for six with each card. It just blocks yeah, for three with, they're, you, with they're each card. Now. Yeah. So yeah, you can <laughs> you can like choose a moment or you can like choose a moment to deny him an embodiment and shift tempo, or you can choose a moment to, you know, um take some damage and shift and it just doesn't feel like this impossible battle. Um although the <laughs> Honestly, the one embodiment of Earth is still like really good. Like all of their cards block for three or four, yeah, which is like still quite very powerful. Good. Yeah, but yeah, um, I wonder if there's a build out there that utilizes more block threes to get to block four. Yeah, I think some of the um, some of the Rune Blade cards 
or some of the uh, elemental rune blade cards sometimes they put in there just for that because mm-hmm. it's functionally in blocks for four um, uh, okay so that was your round two uh i lost to viscerai <laughs> yikes um so i uh I wasn't really sure about this matchup, and I knew that Viscerai was extremely powerful and, like, pretty aggressive. Um, But I thought, in theory, I could win. Uh, This game, I felt like I had a bit of... A bit of, like, all red or all blue hands. Um, You know, which sounds just like complaining. But I I didn't walk away from it, like, taking, taking too much away from it. Besides, like, I was like, that felt, like, a little bit off. But I, like, learned, you know, I just got to observe the game and, uh, you know, like, put it in my pocket for later, right? Like, now I, I've played this matchup, you know, one more time and I I can, you know, kind of see what to expect and and try to adapt should I face another Viscerai later. Um, shout out to Jesse. Beat me round two. I was like, ugh, well, now I'm one and one. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, well, you know, this this is fun. So, did you find that your frostbite tokens and stuff are really hampering him, or um... uh, kinda? It's just like you know, Viscerai has quite a like for a red line aggro deck. Viscerai has so much armor that it's like really hard to constantly tax them. They can kind of just use their equipment and like a card when you have just a medium turn. And then the deck outputs so much damage and is also able to dam- or, uh, bank damage in the form of rune chance yep. that it's like you can't keep a lid on it forever. And then when they do use their armor or whatever, then they come back at you for like, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever. Um, so it's that's just kind of unavoidable. You just kind of have to try to or like I try to kind of read what they're doing and, you know, decide am I going to save this good arrow for next turn and fire this mediocre one, you know, am I going to set up a six card hand or am I going to, you know, like really step on the gas right now? Um, that's kind of like what I took away from it is trying to just trying my best to, to keep a lid on it, I guess. Yeah. You know? That's hard to do against this, right? Yeah, definitely. Just a lot of tools, a lot of ways to, discount cost of cards a lot of ways to just get rune chance yeah it's yeah definitely the deck to beat right now um, all right round three what'd you do round three was starvo uh Ooh. yeah yeah this this was uh i don't know it, it was it was kind of fun but also just just agony at the same time he got uh channel lake frigid out twice and got two counters on it both times. So I was freezing oh. cold for six turns. Just not doing much. <laughs> yeah, just not doing a lot. I had, I brought, yeah, so I sighted in Tunic and then sighted a bunch of defense reactions. Um, I also run a couple energy pots. So, uh, yeah, like turn one, like, I mean, turn zero, got energy pot out, stoked. And nice. then Channel Lake Frigid. Can't use energy pot unless you pay for energy <laughs> pot. And then we got my tunic counter up. It was like, can't use your tunic resource unless you pay for your tunic resource. And so it was just, uh, just had tons of assets on the board and then just couldn't use them turn after turn. But, um, so I kind of went towards a 
kind of fatigue strategy. It went just like three card block or pitch for pitch for unmovable or like just always try to end a turn with the defense reaction in Arsenal. And uh, yeah, and then just like kind of save like a soul bead strike or a snatch or something, just something free that I could throw at him um, or something cheap that I could pay for. Um, and I think he was maybe getting a little aggressive and a lot of times he would just take it and I was able to keep my life total high and I think, and then eventually, you know, just kind of waited for him to, to have a bad turn, like a, you know, dom dominate a autumn's touch or something and then just held my hand and, and then I was able to put the pedal down and, and get him in the end, um. I don't think he was really running many pummels either. He wasn't doing the pummel fang thing. So I think if he was doing that, that would have been terrible. You wouldn't have had enough defense reactions to no. weather all that. Yeah. And I think I think for Starvo, though, it's like a tough call. Because if you want to maximize the amount of times you hit their reaction, because they have to have all the attacks as well, right? So then if you want, if you want Starvo's ability to trigger... You know, putting in six pummels in addition to all your attacks like really waters down the deck. So I think that's the approach a lot of people are taking at the moment. Yeah, so I'd say I got kind of lucky, but I guess kind of played it right also. So uh, yeah, ended three zero on that, which was got me a lock for top eight, which was pretty sweet. Nice. Um, yeah, you're sitting up at table one. Yeah, first time I've been at table one. Sick. I wouldn't be there for long. <laughs> Well, you're essentially locked for top eight, which is pretty great. Uh, so this was a 32-player event, so we only played five rounds of Swiss. Um, one more player, and I think we would have played six, but um, I think a relatively small event, or, you know, like some events, I think uh, this past weekend had, you know, 60-some players or something in that range. Uh, so, yeah, we had five rounds. Yeah, which makes uh, one five and oh five four and ones and then two three no's is that right? yeah i think so yeah three and twos three yeah three yeah. And twos. sorry yep um and then the two people who went three and oh and then lost to I, I i guess if that happens then uh then they'd be the two that get in yeah yeah um so round three i played a chain uh what's up bricks so I was a little apprehensive about this matchup because I feel like it can kind of go either way. Uh, fortunately, now, you know, Chain doesn't have Plunder Run anymore and they, uh, you know, can kind of whiff a bit more on their banishes, which is fortunate. But, you know, that deck's pretty resilient. Like, trying to tax the resources in their hand, they, uh, they still have card advantage and a lot of resources usually and a lot of armor. So... Um, fortunately I didn't get blown out of the water and I kind of closed it out in the end. Um, you know, pretty straightforward. At least I'd played that matchup before, you know, it went, it went pretty well in my favor. Were you running Arcane Barrier 1 or 2 into him or? Nope. Just Bellvoid 2 on the Shock Charmers? Or? Yeah, so I'm, I'm like kind of unsure. I think I need a Null Rune against Viscerai. Just because, like in the beginning, like turn zero, if they go first, then I can block some some free damage, uh, which is, you know, 
worth something. And then towards the end, I don't just auto die. But the problem I run into is like not having any armor running perch grapplers is like really valuable to block like command and conquer or some of the, there's like a couple rune blade cards for four that if they hit you, you discard a card. So if I don't have any way to block that, it takes two cards no matter what. And perch grapplers can like really bail you out against some of those cards that, um, you know, are pretty detrimental. And then shock charmers, you know, it's like worth two spell void at the end. And, you know, again, it's like valuable in terms of like threatening, uh, you know, multiplying your hit effects, but also just towards the end of the game, you know, if, if we're both at seven life and I come in with an arrow for five, they can't let it hit at all. Cause I can just dump my hand into shock charmers and like maybe kill them. Right. Or, you know, and kind of anyway. rescues you on a three of a kind hand where you maybe don't yeah. have enough arrows. And you yeah. Can just... You can dump your resources into it. Um, yeah, but I'm thinking of running bracers against Viscerai for that reason. Because also on three of a kind turns, sometimes you run into, like, you can't load your bow anymore. Um, so with bracers up, you have a null rune, and then you can pop it later um, to have a bit more powerful of a turn. And there's many games in which uh, bullseye bracers will equal more damage in the game than shock charmers. It's just kind of the threat of shock charmers at the end kind of cripples them. You know, they're at four life. They can't take two to then, like, seize tempo because you'll just shock charmers them. So that's that definitely has value. Um, but anyway, yeah. I know Chain, Chain still... Uh, Chain, you know, uh, won some events. I know uh, Tarek Patel is playing Chain and won his event. Uh, you know, that deck is still really, really strong. You know, the go again on a stick, hand advantage or card advantage, whatever you want to call it, and super armor. It's just like a, a very sweet it, combo. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Yep. Yeah. Carrying Husk is still very good. Probably the best armor in the game. Yeah. Um, well, should we move on to round four, or would you like to take a brief segue and maybe talk about some of the spice you put in your deck? Because we're still slogging away through the field. Did you have anything that, that might be considered kind of abnormal or weird for your typical lexi deck uh, this is disappointing but no <laughs> fair enough i mean, I mean <laughs> fatigue shot is like fucking awesome that card is so good because at best like it's chopping you know bravo's attacks in half and at worst it's like you're paying two unfortunately because you have to load your bow but you're like paying two for like five or six and then minus two two or three or four from their attack so it's just like really efficient um damage exchange and a lot of times you know decks will come in at like a four breakpoint with a hit effect and then it chops it into a one card block for you so it makes it a lot more manageable especially since i don't run main defense reactions but no unfortunately like with little time to prepare i just put it like my sideboard had like three take covers a rain razors or two and some blizzards and oh and battering bolts which i'll definitely keep but it was like all these cards that i thought i might need as i learned throughout the day you know if i if i decided that take covers against like you know just that like random block and then reload my arsenal is valuable against like katsu or agro viscerai or maybe even starbo 
then I could like plug them in if I wish I'd had them. But I, I like barely use my sideboard except the battering bolts throughout the day. So, um, it was pretty, I think pretty boring, I guess. So the one card I ran was uh red winter's bite because you, I mean, you need a certain ice threshold and I like prefer even more ice cards than, I don't know, maybe your average Lexi player just to like always hit that fuse or, and always be able to arsenal one. And I chose Red Winter's Bites in particular because it doesn't like it doesn't have anti-synergy with Chilling Ice Vein. Like if you play a blue or a yellow and then a Chilling Ice Vein, they can pitch a blue and only use one or lose one card. Right. So if you if I play the Red Winter's Bite, they have to lose an entire card. And then if I do happen to have a Chilling on that turn, you know it strips another card. And so, I mean it. It makes your deck more red, but, you know, with that line of thinking, it was just, you know, I'm like prioritizing stripping cards because of Starvo, basically. So I guess that's my spice. Red Winter's Bite. I don't know how spicy that is. Yeah. That's but fine. <laughs> seems pretty cold and mild. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what about you? How was your, uh, how was your build performing? Were you like, you're pretty happy with it at this point? Um... Yeah, I'd say the only real spicy things I had in there were uh, two energy pots, um, and I think those performed really well. I think two games in Swiss, I managed to get them out on turn zero, which just felt amazing. Um, yeah, it really seems worth it then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> super good. Um, yeah, I think in the first like three or so turns, if you managed to see it, then I'd make the effort to put it out. Otherwise, I would try to like Katsu discard it or just pitch it for Kadachis. Uh, worked really well. It it just really um, it's like another heart and cross strap for surging strike, or it's just like really uh, hurts your opponent's brain to think about. Oh, he could just have the money for the razor at any time and keep going, uh, which is great. Uh, I think that it's a. There were some matches I didn't need it to close out the game, but I was just so happy to have it there because it just expands the options in your hand so much. Yeah, in your threat level. That's a really good point. Yeah. Also, on the flip side, just playing it, because you've gone into me like red leg tap, Kadachi, you know, Kadachi. And then I just like the whole time, I'm just trying to calculate like, how do I, you know, stem this, this tide or this flood? Like, how do I, uh, manage to not have Mitch blow me away right now. And then, you know, you just overblock, block something out, and then you just end with an energy pot. I'm like, shit, I just dump my hand and you're better set up. Yeah. Arsenal energy pot. Yeah. It's <laughs> so great. Even like even in that circumstance, like getting it out there, if you play it in the the correct way, it's like not really that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're gonna dump your hand and play energy pot, that's a great play. Yeah. Um yeah, so I was really happy with that. I also ran Flock of the Featherwalkers, which I thought was probably my biggest underperformer. Hmm. I had several hands of like two flocks and like two E strikes. And it was just like, this requires a lot of cards <laughs> and doesn't do a lot of damage. Um, so, yeah, those are a little disappointing. I'm definitely not going to run three of them in my new builds. I don't know. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Definitely got clogged up with those sometimes. Um, yeah, I thought I needed the quicken tokens, but with even bigger than that, you really don't. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that's your like all star. Well, we can talk about that later. But yeah, okay. Moving um, into round four. Yep. Go for it. Um. So now I'm two and one, I guess. Right. And uh, I sit down across from a briar, <laughs> or I was like, I'm playing Lexi, and he was like, Ah, shit, I'm on briar. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, nice. This is just great. Um. But it like it took me a while to get some footing in that game. I went down forty to twenty two before I could like do anything or like claw a foothold. I think I like had some weird hands and he was like using his armor and his you know friggin embodiment of earth and just like like really doing well um because I didn't like I didn't take in all that damage to like have full control of the game. I mean, I'd worked through his armor, which is like a big part of that, but at that point, I was like, well, I might lose this. This is, like, pretty gnarly. Um, but fortunately, you know, that deck, it's like... I don't know. I haven't played... I haven't piloted that deck that much. But they're also just these turns... Because they run these blue earth cards to get channel out. And it's like there's these turns where you just have these shitty blue earth cards with no channel. And it, like, doesn't do that much. Yeah. You kind of fizzle. I went first against him though and set up a six card hand and then he fused Bramble Spark C and C'd me for ten. Ouch. <laughs> Which was kind of indicative of how the first half of that game would go. But then I you know, it it eventually leveled out and I, you know, managed to get control and and close it out. So I ended that one three and one and again in only five rounds of Swiss, so I was like, oh, I'm actually like doing pretty good here. Um you know, I, I still had to win the next game to top eight, but I was, like, having fun. I was winning games. I was, like, enjoying this this deck. Because, again, this, this deck I brought, it was, like, I felt like it was a good call into, like, some of the decks. But, again, just, like, I, I like, know how to pilot it, which, like, it's, it's, like, a medium difficult deck to pilot as well. So, like, really being comfortable piloting it. And it's, like, been upgraded with Everfest, so it's different. But still, it you know, that kind of carries you a long way versus... Like, if I picked up Axe's Dory, I would probably just get annihilated. But... So that was, like, another reasoning behind, you know. I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna go with what I know. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my reasoning for taking Katsu, too. Yeah, totally. I was experimenting with Prism, trying to make this kind of... uh, non-light illusionist that was really aggressive and I it just didn't work and I just there's a lot of new card interactions like fractal replication that were really frustrating like oh this card's super awesome and then it's like oh wait there's all these things that turn it off so I got kind of like a sour taste on prism I was like I'm just gonna go katsu nice um yeah I figure after this pro quest season I'm gonna like you know I'm going to like dig in real deep to something weird and like try to learn or build something new and get really, you know, turtle wizard, dude. Yeah. Maybe new Kano. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Totally. Um, so anyway, it's just like, it's tough and wonderful with this whole new card pool, but like going into the meta, I really enjoyed this actually going, playing weekend one, knowing very little like weekend three is probably going to be a bit more dialed and players are gonna you know know what to expect and be you know target things and all that but the first weekend was pretty pretty fun Mm -hmm. i think 
Yeah. So how was your round four? Uh, I went up against Prism. Um, shout out to Oliver there. Uh, he's the one who loaned me the cards in the beginning, which was cool. So uh, I was feeling like I was favored as Katsu. You know, my plan was just to kind of race him out and kind of ignore the the auras and, and just try to present too many threats for him to ignore. Um, What's up, Oliver? Yeah. Uh, so it didn't end up going that way. Uh, I think like turn zero or turn one or something, I ended up going at him with surging strike. Had a pretty good hand, but then he played soul shield. Uh, no, not is it soul shield? Yeah. The defense reaction for six. Yeah. Yeah. So blocked it out. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, I could, I still got cards to play. And then he, uh, played two tomes with vestige of Saul turned on, uh, got Genesis out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, and so I like threw some more damage at him, but then, yeah, then he had Genesis and then he threw out haze bending and then it just like avalanched into, and then I think the very next turn he got another tome also. And so, and then that ended up in a merciful, and then it was like, so I like took an off turn to, to pop Genesis. Cause I was like too much for the beginning of the game. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then it was like merciful and shimmering and it was just like, and then, it, yeah, it came at me with a miraging metamorph. And it was like, I had a CNC in my hand and I decided to pop it, which was stupid. So he made another merciful which was bad <laughs> so anyway i was just like drowning in auras just like uh so yeah, that's so my plan did not work out uh, that's that's <laughs> like prism can do that like even in a you favored matchup that that could just happen yeah because it's like there's this threshold of auras that once they get you know if they have like three auras out and like four spectral shields it doesn't matter how good or how favored you are no. You're just like pretty. Yeah, and all you gotta do is like hold one yellow to just swing at you with eight Gadashis instead of your two. Yeah. And <laughs> uh yeah. So um that didn't go well, but it was educational. Nice. Well, at least you learned something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Here's to you, Oliver. <laughs> Um, yeah, shout out to Oliver. He's a very, very good prism player. Um, I actually did not play against any prisms and I'm, uh, next few days I'm going to test that matchup out actually. Cause I'm like pretty curious, uh, if I can like flex my deck, like how disruptive I can be to that deck. And if I can flex my deck, um, you know, I guess powerful enough. Oh, nice Lexi. Yeah. But like if I can... If I can kind of up my damage output, maybe, or like if I can have the right ratio of disruption to like three attacks a turn or whatever, and like maybe race as well. Yeah, I think, that's my plan as well. Race because I don't have a better one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's important going into Prism to have, I don't know, attack reactions or some other trick up your sleeve to get kind of over the top of an efficient block to get rid of the spectral shields because Prism. Um, definitely is going to use defense reactions from Arsenal to protect their spectral shield stock. So you have to find a way to kind of get around that in some cheeky way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at least with Ice or Ice Lexi, I make a Frostbite every turn, so a defense reaction costs them two cards. 
but they can pitch a blue to pay for a sink and make a spectral shield so it's not it's not as detrimental to them or they could use the rest to pay for an aura but um you know at least they're not allowed to just yeah i think even if they do manage to make a, a spectral shield pitching a blue for like a sink um i think that's actually still good because um you're a lot of times having to throw a yellow and make a shield in order to swing with all of your auras. So if you're able to kind of tax their soul in that way or to tempt them to use their soul in a way that's not um, really efficient for them, um, I think that's, you know, maybe a good strategy because if they don't have anything in soul, but they have a bunch of stuff out, it's definitely not as intimidating. Right. Good point. And I mean, the dream is to like fire two battering bolts at them and just kick the shit out of them that way but I, I have a feeling that's not how it's gonna go um all right so uh you're three and three and one three and one at this point yep yep and i'm also three and one but lost round two so how was your last round of the day uh wasn't great uh lost again spoiler uh it was against a starvo who came out with a very uh, different strategy. Um, I threw in, I, I kind of did my same thing. I threw in like a bunch of defense reactions. And I, well, he was like basically standing watching the last game I played against Starvo. And he saw <laughs> how I sideboarded in because I was at the top table. Um, so he was prepared for me, which, um, and he, he basically did a kind of a fatigue strategy and just kind of, waited me out i don't think there was like any big turns until after midway through the game he just kind of really made me like pay to have my turns in life i mean he would just like lots of pummels over the top of like little attacks um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah just just really like chipped me away and knew that with so many defense reactions in my deck i wouldn't be able to present that threatening of a turn and i didn't um so uh yeah a tip of the cap to him uh for for having a a different proactive strategy that i don't know nice and it worked yeah in katsu you really pay for your defensive capabilities by sacrificing your your offense yeah or your absolutely you know your offensive consistency yeah, or like I'd be sitting with like two sinks in hand going, wow, I really need him to attack me. I'd be like, meh, not going to, Arsenal. Yeah, and that's, I mean, yeah, Crown of Seeds is such a powerful tool, right? Because, you know, you can choose to block out and like have send your Arsenal to Oakenold to the bottom and, you know, cycle it for next time and just like block with the card you draw. Or you can even Arsenal a defense reaction and then if you don't have you know, if you don't need it, you can cycle that and draw a card for a more offensive turn. It's just like, yeah, it's a pretty nuts tool that, um, you know, Starvo can also employ, um, very effectively. Um, okay. So my last, uh, my last round was the mirror ice Lexi, (laughs) which is always just the funniest game. Just, it's like all tempo. I mean, it's just a bunch of hit effects and neither of you can block very well. So it's uh it's pretty entertaining. Um I played against uh Nicholas who 
was an azalea main like me way back in the day. So, you know, I don't know. I never like sitting down across from Alexi because I feel like we're on the same team. And, uh, yeah, I feel the same way about Katsu and especially yeah. Wizard. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, we're you know we're not here for each other. We're trying to spike everybody else. But um, so I pulled that one out. Uh, I'd actually played the mirror. Uh, you know, I don't maybe like five times or something actually. Um, just because it's pretty interesting and pretty fun, and we played a a game on camera. Go check out our YouTube page um, uh, against Yuki one time. So. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's not that many reps, but I'm like familiar with how the how the mirror goes, and uh, I think that gave me, uh, you know, just a, a good understanding of like the tempo management of like when to block and when to seize my moment and all that. Uh, about halfway or more through the game, he, you know, started maybe prioritizing pressuring me instead of having an arsenal. So I could kind of pick these moments to like maybe half block and then threaten him back and then get an arsenal or get a six card hand and then, uh, you know, maybe push tempo over a couple turns. And, um, you know, that really won it for me. Nice. So here we are. We both made top eight. Yeah. And you made top eight with Katsu, which I think is just awesome. I mean, Katsu's kind of been on the sidelines for quite a long time, right? Like he was a contender against Chain, but not favored. Just one of the decks that yeah, like could in theory, enough. Yeah. yeah, could in theory beat chain or like could beat chain, but you know not over fifty. And then, um, you know, the whirlwind nightmare that was Briar was just like better than every other aggro deck. So Katsu's been a bit of an underdog for a while here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say he definitely got some upgrades here in Everfest. Um, so. Uh, while he's not like top tier up with Viserai or Starvo, I think he's, I think he's in the wings. I think it's a pretty playable deck. I think he really can flex a very aggressive strategy now with even bigger than that into the Torna tempo line or just soul beads or snatches or e strikes. There's just a lot of things that get turned on by having that quicken token on a stick basically um which is great and just like the added threat of those gadachis into those even bigger than that's is, is pretty great um yeah because that's triggered off of any attack yeah gadachis and yeah you basically yeah. want it yeah you basically want a gadachi and do it because after that it i think it counts the damage you do for the turn so gotcha. yeah and all the ninja attacks are like fairly low um so yeah you you, you want to build all your blues to be two attacks or or I guess not attack at all. So that leaves out a lot of blue combo cards like Whelming Gust Wave and um, Rising Knee. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think the the new the new tools even bigger than that, and the Torna Tempo line uh, is what I'm going to focus on. Uh, maybe going in the next Pro Quest. Yeah, because I mean, you know, way back in the like Arcane Rising meta or Welcome to Wraith meta, is it just felt like very defensive, right? So Cards like Torrent of Tempo or Soul Bead were just kind of a liability, losing yeah. your go again. But I think a, a lot more decks nowadays find it a lot harder to block for five and also have their functional turn. 
And then if they do, they sacrifice quite a lot. So I think those maybe those cards got a bit better. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, having the Quicken token going into them, just that guarantee, makes them like, I don't know, maybe above curve cards when they don't have conditional go again. Totally. So um, they're pretty great, but still, like, Katsu does need to hit eventually to to get the other combo pieces. Um, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it still sucks to have opponents like block out your first attack and then you can't fetch your combo, but at the same time, like, they're dumping cards, so say thank you. Um, and yeah. it's just... Um, yeah, I try to build my decks more um, able to uh, to go down, like, multiple paths, even though you start with one thing. Um, just being able to pivot to some other combo line that maybe uses generics or whatever. Like, if you go Torrent Tempo gets blocked, then you go E-Strike. You know, you just you you adapt and i think that's what katsu is like really good at um so totally you're just in a lose-lose situation playing against katsu because it's like if i block the surging or the the leg tap or whatever it doesn't mean i shut down your turn you're still going to come at me with the rest of your hand it's just like i blocked the fetch for now which is uh you know the tough question you ask like literally every turn yeah i mean you don't like I think that's where the deck I brought, especially with the flocks and stuff, like um, would kind of falter a little bit where if you didn't get that fetch and if you didn't have enough um, or if you didn't get a even bigger than that trigger, then you would kind of get stuck with um, an extra card or two they didn't play, which definitely doesn't feel good because usually you're taking a bunch of damage to do it. Because, right. um, yeah, and then flocks block for two. All right. Um, I really thought flocks are cool. I keep going back and forth. It's like my love-hate card. I want it to be good, but it takes three cards to play. Totally. I hate that card. Just because way back in the day for like Azalea especially, which had such a hard time getting go again, it's like, oh, this hero really incentivizes you to arsenal, right? I can just like play flock, arsenal card, and then have a quicken token and like play two arrows next time. And you're just living the dream. It's like everything I want to do. But like you said, that's a three-card hand. and For five damage. Yeah. And, and they know what you have in your arsenal. Yeah. Totally. And it, then the reality is, yeah, you're like stuck with two flocks and, you know, some other two blocks and like no no synergy or I don't know. It's really good in, you know, you know, say chain or like decks that, you know, maybe you're like augmenting the go again, like maybe Ninja, but it's just like, yeah, sometimes it, it's a bit too cute. Yeah. I found with even bigger than that, they definitely fought against each other. Like if you did that turn where you arsenal the card and then you drew up and then you have it even bigger than that, it was like, well, I can't do Kadachis now because I'm just burning that quicken token to maybe make another one if he doesn't block <laughs> or like, you know, you get leg taps or something or serving strikes like, uh well <laughs> yeah definitely just, it feels really bad to burn your quicken token on nothing after you spent so much to get it there so um anyways let's not hang up on poor card choice for <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's important but we we can reflect on that at the end in a, a bit um so your quarterfinals how do you feel in the top eight were you uh did you feel more pressure for this game or was it just exactly the same um I hmm, I think I kind of did like a mental 
trick on myself where I was just like, I feel like I went already just getting there. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe didn't approach it as seriously as I should have. Um, I was going into Viscerai. Uh, I've seen him play a couple games. Like he was pretty good. Um, I think it's like maybe a winnable matchup, but you've got to like draw really well as Katsu and like, and play it really tight. Um, and it just, I think the biggest mistake I made going into it was not having Null Rune, or I mean, yeah, Arcane Barrier in there, and the, the plan was just to race him, but um, I think against Viscerai without having Arcane Barrier, like, he just, he smells blood in the water, like, he's just gonna, he's just gonna come at you with everything he's got, and, like, the ease of math in his mind is just, like, so much easier knowing that all of your Arcane is gonna hit. So just going to turn everything on and all you have to do is like make rune chance and all that is just damage in the bank, which yeah, like, like all those, up, all those meet and greet and dread triptych, like all those triggers are just always online. Yeah. And then, I mean, just all the cards that I don't know, like, um, revel in rune blood. Is that it? Um, yeah. Like all those cards end up being like above curve when you don't have arcane barrier. The zero to for five. It. Yeah. That thing. Yeah. So, um, I think arcane barrier one at least is is definitely required, um, just to make it like a little bit more mentally taxing on him. Otherwise, it's just like, uh, I think the raw damage output of this right just beats Katsu, and that's like what I experienced. Um, yeah, it wasn't a particularly close game, but I made a top eight and. Well, cool. and, uh, again, he has quite a bit more armor than you, so it's like stop that many hit effects and have that much more life. So it's not, it's also just not quite an even aggro race. You know, they start a little bit ahead just in that sense. Yep, I agree there. Um, so, yeah, how was your round five? Well, I mean, round lost six. in the quarters, bummer. Um, yeah, I, so I, uh, I played a Starvo for the first time, and um, it went kind of as I had hoped. Man, that that shield though is a pain in the ass. <laughs> the ram's head. Uh, the the no the the new one the block for two. Oh, the stalag. Or you can block twice and you get a frostbite each time. Yeah. Mm. Um. So that was pretty tough. Uh, just because he would block and then I would have to like pitch the card I was going to arsenal to attack again. Um. But fortunately, that doesn't last that long. Uh, in this matchup, I I only won by two. I had two life at the end, but towards the end, I was kind of using, um, I was kind of using my life as a resource to set up cards that or set up turns that I could go over the top and you know close it out. Because um, you don't, you I don't know. Is Lexi? It's a bit tough. You don't really. In certain situations, you don't really want to just maintain your high life, but then swing for like 10 a turn because they can just keep blocking and you're just kind of wasting your resources. Um, sometimes you take a bit of damage to then like arsenal uh, an endless arrow or a frost fang or something. So then the next turn you go three wide to close it out because you don't really have you don't have any win conditions except for the like weave ice dominate or the the like big you know, the wide turns that require some setup because even a three of a kind turn, you can only load your boat twice. So it, it requires having been set up. Um, 
But, you know, the the game felt like it could go... It could go either way. Like, there was this one moment he he had to take one damage from my fatigue shot for the awakening to make enough seismic tokens to play crippling for free. So then crippling comes in for six, fortunately, but if there was like one, you know, uh, if he had one, uh, less life when I threatened him with that, that fatigue shot, he could have blocked the fatigue shot and then just awakening crippling for 11. Um, you know, so it, uh, I was, I I felt like I was winning the whole game and was pretty in control, you know, like the hand disruption, the taxing, the fatigue shots, like all were just money, but it definitely felt like if there was a turn or two that, you know, it, it, I guess if I had bricked a bit more on a turn or two, I, I felt like I very much could have lost. So, you know, felt, it felt like a good matchup for me and you know, felt like what I wanted, what I expected, but it doesn't feel super secure. Like mm-hmm. against uh against like Lightning Briar, it you know, it feels like pretty secure. There's only so much that can happen. And then against Starvo it just feels like you could just get blown out at any second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, once he gets rolling it's Yeah. Well, we'll see how, you know, future testing goes and future matchups go. But I was, like, very happy with it. Um, but it was, you know, just walk, walking a fine line there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in my uh, my semifinals match, I went up against Ice Lexi again. It turns out we had both beaten our Starvo opponents and met again in the semifinals. Um and that match uh, kind of went the same. It was a bit closer, but I, I won that one as well, um, fortunately. I also was able to choose. I, I was 4-1 and one at the end, so I was um, a higher seed than both my opponents. So I was able to choose to go second against Starvo and second against Ice Lexi, which is weird. Usually I like to go first, but in those two matchups... Um, Going second's pretty, pretty clutch, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I beat Ice Lexi again, and then I played in the finals against uh, Viscerai, and I I hadn't played this player before. This was a different Viscerai, but um, you know I I had an idea of what was going to happen, and uh, so how are you feeling going in? Are you nervous? Are you hungry? Are you tired? <laughs> what's what's going on in the head of us? <laughs> um. So this this is a bit embarrassing, but I was like I was pretty tired. I have this thing at these events that like I just have a bit of brain fog by the end of the day. Like at nationals, it was eight rounds each day, and the last round was like by far not my strongest. And the same thing here is like my eighth round, and you know I don't know. It's something I maybe need to work on as far as. I don't know, playing an easier deck, <laughs> thinking less hard, just like having more s- mental stamina for the event. Maybe I'll just get used to it, but I'm just like, I'm not like super sharp. Um, also in the quarters and the semis, I, my game ended and ours was the last game. So then my next round just started 
instantly, which was like a bit tough. Before the finals, I like stood up and walked outside for two minutes just to like, you know, not yeah, walk important. right into the next game. Get some but, blood moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So I was a bit, I was just like a bit worn out. Um. I think from playing, I'd also like, you know, seen some friends the night before. I was like not behaving like a pro athlete and getting 12 hours of sleep and all that stuff. But, um, who does that? (laughs) I don't know. Smart people, but (laughs) yeah, you're visiting your brothers day before. Oh yeah. I was playing board games till two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're here for. Play board games, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I was going into it. I was feeling pretty good though. Right. Like I, I didn't think I was favored, which I like still think I maybe am not, but I was, I like, I, I know what the Viscerai deck can do. I know what my deck can do. You know, I'm, I'm like tired, but I'm not like that out of it. It's just like, I'm just going to play the game. Right. Um, and it, uh, it went pretty well. Um, there is this, <laughs> this like, uh, this point in the middle where I go down 29 to 11, uh, which he kind of reads what's happening and he he like sacrifices having an arsenal and just like he breaks his Skeleta to have like a big because he like he knows I'm holding cards so he just like tries to really put on the gas and I yeah, um, it on. yeah I, I, I thought about it but I just like took it um, so at that point it felt pretty bad because um, 11 is just like not much like Lexi likes to trade life for tempo and have an 11 life at that point. I was like, this is not, um, not really enough wiggle room. Right. But I'd worked through most of his armor. Agravisferi has like a few block twos. I think I had a pulse on that turn. Um, so then I like, I kind of came back and, uh, got to this point where it was nine to six. I'm up nine to six. And, um, I had a bit of a misplay and this comes with a caveat. Like I hate saying that, like, cause I hate when people are like, Oh, if I had not misplayed this, I would have won the game, you know? Cause that's like not true at all. If I hadn't Usually, misplayed yeah. the game. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I guess so, but I, I just feel like people like to say that a lot and it like really takes away from your opponent. Um, if it's actually kind of a gray area. Um, so my situation was I missed the, um, the trigger. I played a chilling ice vein, which he blocked. And then I played a fatigue shot and I missed the trigger for the chilling on the fatigue shot. So with that part of the chain, right. Or a part of the turn doesn't even have to be the chain. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so he was able to arsenal a revel in rune blood instead of having to discard it. He actually also missed the trigger and should have just blocked with the rebel. Right. <clears throat> um, also, is the judge supposed to inform you on that, or is it the player's responsibility to? No. So, like an illegal play, a judge steps in mm-hmm. but and interrupts something. But a missed trigger, they just let is, it go. Yeah. Um, and a uh, uh, something happened where a, a player uh, watching after the fact said oh you missed the chilling trigger mm-hmm. and then you know like totally innocently it was just like watching the game and that's what happened and um thought you know like it's a missed trigger it should be 
enforced or caught or whatever. But then the judge said, oh, no, you can't say anything. It's up to them to catch it. Um, so then we were kind of in this weird thing where even if I had caught it within time and was able to rewind the game, um, I couldn't now. But odds are I would have not noticed anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that mattered much. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so say my opponent also knew about the trigger and blocked with the rebel. Then it would be nine to eight and I would have full tempo and he didn't have any armor. Um, you know, which would put me in a pretty good position. But I still like may not have won the game. I don't know. But instead, it was nine to six, and he had the revel, and he was able to, you know, do the the revel Rosetta for eleven, like one for eleven, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is like pretty Bananas, mean. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and again, I don't know, like he might have had misplays like earlier in the game or inefficiencies or whatever. But just like from my side of the table, in my brain, that's the big like tired end of the day miss trigger that I had that um you know, would have put me in a very good position. And I like definitely regret just because it's like playing Lexi. It's kind of hard to keep track of those, but I always like when I play out cards, I, I just tell my opponent so they don't, you know, I'm not trying to like shark them. I don't want them to miss something or have to read everything or, you know, I'm just like this arrow two hit effects, you know, and I like always do that. And I like never miss them. And, you know, when I have a fatigue shot trigger, I like set it sideways so that we don't miss it on the next turn. And I'm like really good about that. So unfortunately, kind of the only time or, you know, one of the only times I miss it is just like when you're tired at the end of the day. So, yeah, I thought there might've even been a second one in there that was missed, but I don't remember. I'm, I have this like sneaking suspicion. I missed a fatigue shot much earlier, but, um, unsure. Anyway. So I, uh, that was a very tight game, no matter how you look at it. Very well played um, by my opponent. Very good game. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate to miss that. But, uh, but. you know, like my opponent played very well. He was very good. Um, it's a very good deck. You know, I don't know. He might beat me the next three times we play. I'm kind of unsure. Um, but, so, but I, you know, I got second in a 32-player event with, you know, my favorite hero. And it was great. Yeah. Again, that, but I really, uh, and again, like throughout the whole day and even in top eight, it was just like, I mean, you know, I play this game. It's like, just, it's like a board game, right? It's like fun to play a board game with, with friends and, you know, with a good community and stuff. And, um, it, it never like lost that feel at that store, which was just like really yeah. cool. Yeah. It was great. It, all in all, it was a great day. Um, yeah, best of luck to everybody out there, especially, um, I believe it's Caleb playing Viserai. So, good luck to him in his next tournament. So, um, yeah, all in all, great day. Thanks to everybody who played. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was just a great experience, and I can't wait for next weekend. So, um, so just a couple of takeaways. As a... So as a Katsu player, like Taylor and I don't give the Katsu experience very much on this this cast. But um, Katsu's, you know, like in a decent position now, right? Like maybe not S tier or whatever, but definitely has some degree of power. Um, You know, how would you rank Katsu? And like, what do you think his strengths are? And, you know, I don't know. Are there any decks you're like really worried about? 
Sure. Um, yeah, I think I'm personally like a very aggro minded Katsu. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much experience playing control Katsu. Um, but I think he can be a really consistent, um, aggro deck. I think he like, he can consistently pump out like, I don't know, like 14 plus every turn. If, if it's all there, um, sometimes there's off turns, uh, but you threaten a, a pretty high ceiling too. Yeah. The, the, the ceiling yeah. does get higher. Um, I think with the new tools he got, I think he's, um, uh, I don't know, maybe probably, I mean, definitely behind Viscerai and Starvo, but, um, probably like on par with prism and chain and lexi maybe um i think he does struggle a bit into certain matchups um where hand disruption is probably the best way to go so um like starvo i i don't think is a very is is not a very good matchup um that one's really dicey i haven't really figured that one out um i I don't know that one just kind of seems like a dice roll or just you know hoping you get the unmovable in arsenal for the right time um well nine defense reactions you're not going to be dead before you find one yeah i mean i'm I'm definitely reconsidering running that many defense reactions oh yeah um especially in the build i have i i flick flack into this meta i don't think is very good um I mean, aside from maybe Lexi or another Katsu, um, I don't think they're really that good because there's not many decks that are threatening wide. Um, Or like, I mean, if your strategy is to like go aggro as fast as you can against like CMH Briar, then like you don't really want to see defense reactions. So even though they go wide, you don't really care. Um, Plus some of their wide is like, or like Viscerai is just like, a card or two in like Rosetta or Rune Chance. It's like sometimes their second attack isn't going to be for five, so the like flick flack benefit it like doesn't even pay off. Right. Um, yeah, I thought it would be better into like Starvo, say play it on on their big dominate turn, and then have a card to to shut down the Frost Hammer. Um, I found that wasn't really very good because especially if you're getting Oak and Olded or Spinal Crushed or something, like you're probably not even going to have the combo card to block with anyways. And they might just arsenal a card instead of swinging you. Um, so yeah, I'd say uh, surprisingly Katsu's arguably one of his best cards. Flick Flack is maybe not very good to this meta. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, or look- Let's talk about the... So there's... I could just go on for Katsu forever, but okay. No, no, no. Another time. I'm staying on... No, I'm staying on Katsu. I just mean... We talked about Viscera and Starve a little bit. We're also looking at Prism, Chain, and Lexi, right? So... Yeah. Um, Okay, so... uh, Definitely not stoked on Lexi, especially Frost Lexi. A lot of disruption there, which sucks, like... I learned going into Starvo and getting Frostbit and getting uh, Channel Lake Frigid and, you know, also the Crown and Shield. 
Um, just like those resource taxes are really hard on Katsu. Um, and Lexi presents like a lot of, it, it's kind of similar to Katsu in a way. Like you're presenting a lot of things at four and five damage that really suck for your opponent to deal with. Um, and so that's where like maybe a flick fire would be good, but if you're getting frostbit, then they kind of suck too. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely worried about Lexi. Um, chain I think is kind of more of a race. Um, prism is prism is tough. Like if you get on the front foot and and go for it, you can make it. But if they get the tone plays and get all the auras out. You're just, I don't really know if there is a strategy out there to deal with prism once she gets going. I yeah, think you well, just kind of have to beat her to it. I mean, aside from the high rolls though, right? Like I feel like just in theory, you do have a fair game into prism. Mm-hmm. Um, so long as they don't triple tome you or whatever. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I guess, I think Katsu's got a chance. I think um, he definitely represents like kind of the old school aggro. And I wish he had a few more tricks to like punish a player for taking damage other than just the potential to take more damage. Um, oh, yeah. Some like sort of like consuming volition or a chilling ice vein or some yeah, sort of hit effect in there. Something. Yeah. Like a nine point palm heart exploding technique or something you know like something that would oh yeah maybe hit slow. your heart explodes yeah you know <laughs> it's a ninja come on like gonna break some knees or something here come on maybe maybe the next set who knows we'll go to mysteria and nice. figure it out all right how about well, you and lexi i mean you did beat a starvo and made top eight which is pretty sweet you know um proactive game plan know your deck those are strengths as well yeah i think i pretty much with my nine it was nine defense reactions and two cncs and two uh smashing good times so it's basically like a core 60 plus a splash for prism or dash or starvo oh yeah i had two smashing good times as well i wasn't even sure what i'd take out for him or how i'd handle that but I didn't have to play a dash, so... Uh, she was in the top eight. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh. Um, yeah, so for me, I think Lexi is... So here's my hot take. Old him is dead. Sorry, old him players. No offense. But it just... It's like... With Viscerai and Prism at the top... Those are both really hard matchups for Oldham. And even Starvo, right? Like, Oldham just excels at soaking up, like, go wide or aggro damage. You know, he doesn't even have... I mean, you can, like, Earth React and Crown, I guess. But then if you Crown, you don't have a Defense React in Arsenal. It's just, like, Dominate for 9 or 11. You know, he does have staunches and stuff, but it's like Oldham does not excel even at that matchup. So to me, you know, Oldham's still a very powerful deck, but in this meta, I think just like comes up short. I don't think it's out there. So, um, you know, 
following that logic, that's like the worst matchup for Lexi. I hate playing into old him. Yeah, so, as Katsu also old him is basically an <laughs> auto loss. Totally. <laughs> so if you don't have to play against old him, then Lexi is in a pretty good spot. There's like, you know, that deck is, it's pretty strong at what it does. It does definitely has like some weaknesses, right? Like if you don't, if you don't manage your deck well enough, you could get fatigued by like Dory with all her armor and everything blocks for three or whatever. Um, so it requires a bit of navigating and I'm still unsure, you know, if it, like I both I lost to both the Viscerai's that I played right. Like I'm zero and two against Viscerai. Um, I did beat the Starvo, but you know, who knows how that deck will evolve if it'll, you know, adapt to handling Lexi or, or what'll happen there. But um, I do feel like Lexi is in a decent position. So my my rankings would go Viscerai, yeah, number one, agreed. Starvo number two but up there with them Mm -hmm. um i do think prism prism players have some like dialing in to do with that deck but i think that prism is definitely like you know prism's up there chain i don't know yeah jury's out for chain for me but it's like put up the numbers right like Tarek one with chain a bunch of chains won a bunch it like just the numbers say it's like really, really powerful. Um, Lexi hasn't really put up the numbers, but just in based on the tournament that I played, it like it felt decent, right? It felt like well, yeah, you had two in the top eight, you know. Oh yeah, totally. Um, you know, like not S tier, but maybe like A tier, B tier, probably A tier. Um, I think A tier. It, it just feels like it feels decent into the current meta, I guess like well equipped for what's happening right now. Yeah. So, um so I'm pretty happy about that. It made for a fun, you know, fun experience for me to like choose and play a you know, a good choice mm-hmm. for the weekend. Um So do you foresee any any changes? So we have this coming weekend which we'll be playing in and then we have a weekend after that. Do you have any like dark horses? Are, is any debt going to rise or fall? Right. I mean, I already said I think old him is plummeting. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're going to see more viscerize um, making like top eights and winning events. Um, I think uh, the Starvos are not going anywhere, and I think more people are going to run viscerize to to counter Starvo. Um, I think this has got a decent matchup in the Starvo. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, I mean, this has some really powerful defense reactions, right? Um, if that's the way you're going, you also have the ability to bank damage that then kind of like double pays, like it gives you a bonus and it's bank damage. So even if your hand gets disrupted for one turn, you know you're you're not completely right lost um so just the versatility of that viscerai deck to handle like something like starvo as well as something like old time is just like super impressive or to flex super aggro into uh prism you know uh, it's yeah i think 
Prism struggles against aggro. So I think that's going to keep Prism kind of out of the top in this meta. Yeah, especially like weird numbers Viscerite. Like you can't block all that damage. So you can definitely hit your spectral shields or your auras or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she's going to continue to struggle, but probably still turn up in big numbers. Um, I I don't think... I think Lexi could do a really good job, but I think kind of what we've seen in the past, like there's just not going to be that many people running them for her to put up the numbers um, that the other ones will just... Not because of, uh, I think she's really good. It's just there's not that, not that many people running it, so she's not going to put up the numbers that you'd expect for her power level. Um, I think Chain is probably going to come up a little bit. Um, I think is uh, like Tarek's list and um, and the success he's had. I think it's Chain's not going anywhere. I don't think Rune Blades are going anywhere. Um, I'm a little surprised at where cmh briar's at i think it's still a good deck but i think it's still it's going to decline as people pivot to viscerai and chain off of her um i don't know i can make a couple more predictions but starvo's sticking around he's not going anywhere i uh i disagree with heroic briar i think briar could be and maybe will be like really powerful in the future, but I think as it stands, that deck is just like I just think for highly skilled players like Viscerai or Chain, I guess Chain now. I don't know that much about Chain, but it just seems like Viscerai is just like a better choice than Heroic Briar at the moment. Yeah. But you know, we may see more Briar in the future. The funny thing is, is like you know, Briar is the same as Viscerai, right? Like, Viscerai makes a bit more damage in the form of Rune Chance, but Briar has her ability and access to more cards. So, I don't know. I guess just those big, like, Mordred Tide turns where you make a bunch more Rune Chance make Viscerai worth not having the, you know, embodiments or... Yeah, I, I, I would just argue that I think there's a lot of potential there in Briar, but um, I think that the deck list so far have kind of reflected the old meta pre-ban and I've just kind of been patches on that to make up for it um, and that in this Everfest and post-ban era, like her core has not been figured out yet. I think she's got a lot of potential, like you said um, but somebody's going to have to make a breakthrough yeah. to get popular again. Yeah, something a bit more consistent or a bit different. Um, all right, we got a couple. Uh, we got a couple listener questions. Um, I went fishing for people's input on uh, today's topic, and uh, our first uh, request was make a bold prediction about the ProQuest in May. Um, a bold prediction. Okay. Um, Axe Dory top eight. Whoa! Well, you want a bold prediction? I think Dory Dory is gonna come out. She's my dark horse. Nice. Yep, that's my bold prediction. Nice. Um, so mine is gonna be Lexi top four. 
All right. All right. I mean, I'm pretty biased, but... Uh, ice or lightning? I don't know. They just both have, like, pretty good potential. Like, that lightning deck is really good. It's a bit fragile, you know, to, like, Starvo or Ice Lexi. But it's, like, damage potential is, like, pretty good. Sure. Um, and then Ice, you know, again, runs into the problem where you're only doing, like... I mean, you can shift gears and do more every other turn, but sometimes if you're just trying to hold tempo, you're only doing like 12 damage a turn. So even if you hold tempo, you're not like winning the game very fast. Um, but, you know, despite that, it's like, it's it's just looking at the current meta. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call a Lexi top four. Right on. Um, all right, there you go. There's your bold predictions. Um, so then we have one more, uh, I got a question for you. What's that? Uh, okay. I think the next ban announcement is going to be April, first week of April, April, like, or maybe second week of April. Oh, I didn't know that. Post, uh, post. Oh, right, right. Um, I guess, uh, yeah. So do you think any cards are going to get banned? No. Dang, I don't think so either. (laughs) Definitely not. Um. Yeah, as frustrated as I am about the whole Sonata Bloodsheath Spellbound Creepers thing, it's just like it's really, really, really good. It's not like broken good though. It's just flirting with the line. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Sonata. Yeah, like you said, those the Skeleta Sonata Creepers yeah. combo is like the most powerful thing in the game by far. Because you can just do a little baby one and it still is like huge value. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like pretty nuts. Even if you only do it with six rune chance or if you do it with 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that deck is like not yet oppressive. No. It's like still very beatable. So definitely no ban. Yeah. Um, my only vote would be uh, Errata Rosetta Thorn. To where it's elemental, because that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I 100% agree. Rosetta is just, like, so far above curve. Um, I know it has a requirement, but you're you're incentivized. You're, like, rewarded for playing a non-attack and attack in other ways. And then you're rewarded through Rosetta. And it's, like, one for five with Viscerai one for four with Briar in like a way you can't block with a three block and just take one. Um, there's just so many ways that it, it's just like by far the best weapon in the game. I don't, you know, again, it it's like, there are other really good decks out there, right? Like Viscera is not broken. So maybe Rosetta is not broken, but if you just line it up with weapons, it's just like pretty absurd. Yeah. But, um, I hear you, but I'm not calling for a ban on Rosetta. I'm no, just calling I, for I, some... I don't want to see them either. I don't want to see a ban. I want to see an, an errata. It's just... Yeah. They're, they're messy. They're ugly. Well, just give some good weapons to everybody else, too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, then you're getting into... I guess I Winter's Whale is pretty good. I, I Voltaire is pretty good. Yeah. I, I personally... I, I don't want to see the game increase in power anymore. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, I think... Rosetta's like flirting with the limit. Otherwise, you're just 
it's going to be like blitz and constructed. I mean, yeah, which we don't want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like a point for a whole nother discussion, but it is, uh, it's interesting to think about, right? Because like Rosetta is so powerful or certain things are so powerful. And then you want to like bring other classes up to that power level to make them playable. But then you don't want to start this arms race where, you know, old cards become irrelevant or power creep is just like a thing per set, which I think they've done a pretty good job of so far, right? Like Katsu is from Welcome to Wraith. Yeah. And you haven't been given that many new cards and can still play the game now. So like, you know, like Chain was busted, you know, maybe like Plunder Run was busted or whatever. But it's just like in general, they've done a pretty good job about keeping a lid on the power creep. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of disagree with that slightly to me. Aria felt like a, a power creep, but, um, even though uh, you just top aided with Katsu. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I will say, um, anybody's complaint about Rosetta is uh, pretty valid. That's fair. Yep. Sorry, Taylor, you're not here, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just, shut this down. Let's just rail on replays. <laughs> All right, so maybe maybe 2022 will be the year of something else besides Runeblade, but so far, not yet. Totally, so. probably Guardian, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if Starvo's... Starvo's, like, almost the top deck, so that... I wouldn't mind if it was Guardian. It's just, like, it. Starvo feels kind of like a meme deck. Kind of like... Kind of like Benji feels like now. <laughs> totally. Starvo feels pretty cartoonish. Yeah. You know. But I'll tell you, like, in my one game of experience, playing against that deck, it's, like, super fragile. Like, if you somehow disrupt or strip one card, their game plan is, like, off. Yeah. Like, they can still fuse Oakenold you, but anyway, it's just, like, um, it's, like, a, as fragile as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Hitting them with disruption is like pretty, pretty fantastic. I, I wouldn't know. That's Katsu. <laughs> I just got Okanolded in testing three <laughs> times in a row, fused, and then it was fused with Pulse of uh, Candle Hold. So then it just put it back on top. So it was four turns in a row of fused Okanold. Oh, nice. That's a good move. Yeah. It's a Pulse. Good. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuse it with it three times in a row. And then, yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, all right. So we have one more question. <laughs> I love this. I, I said, shoot me any questions you have. And Jordan said, don't tell me how to live my life. So shout out to Jordan. Great response. Um, Is but that like he, a question. Are we supposed to tell Jordan how to live his life now? He also said, bro, less carbs, uh, more fiber. <laughs> now that Azalea has a top eight, is it time for the Prince of Precision to dominate the field? Also redliner. Uh, so my answer to the first part of that question is I'm trying very hard. Um, I almost did it. By the way, it kind of sucks to run her up. I don't really mind losing in like the quarters or something, but you really go a long way to lose, which is, you know, I mean, just fine. But uh, it's just like so close you can taste it. Um, but I will uh, keep trying. My, my thoughts on Azalea, though, is like, she got some really powerful tools and now I think she has a very good role in the meta of like kind of policing because defense reactions are so over like above curve 
or whatever if you're just trying to turtle. So I think it's like pretty cool that she can police that. And I kind of hope that maybe there's like a turtle sometime in the future so I can play Azalea and like rip through them. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really like Dreadbore. I don't think it's that good. But well, I mean, if you're coming in for like you know, dominate for eight or 11 and they can't play defense reactions from hand or arsenal. Um, it's like pretty good against some decks. Plus if you hit them with a battering bolt in that same turn, they have to discard their defense reactions and lose life for it. So that's pretty good. Yeah. But maybe there's like a try shot red liner pitch stack. I don't know. Is Ellie out there somewhere? <laughs> well, that brings me to the second part of that question. Redliner, hell no. That bow is terrible. Sorry oh to God. any Redliner fans. Try shot. Pew, pew, pew. Pew. <laughs> so, what do you do on your not try shot turns? Pew. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> but it's free. No way. All your arrows cost what they cost, you know? Just no taxes. <laughs> The power of, like, Voltaire um, giving you go again or Death Dealer drawing a card just, like, far outweigh. Because the problem with Redliner is you only have so many free arrows and you can you still don't have go again or can load it again, right? So then it's like, I don't know. If you want to use any of the good arrows, you have to pitch a card anyway, so you might as well pitch a card to pay for the bow in the air. I don't know. Anyway. Not into Redliner. And I will try to win an event with uh, Ranger. Sweet. I mean, you top eight it with Azalea once, so. Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't, if I like win the next event, I might just take Azalea or Kano to the following one. But, um, you know, it's undecided. I'm just going to bring a few decks, I think, and see how it goes this weekend. Um, all right. I guess that about wraps it up. Anyway, I hope that our, uh, you know, rambling through our, past weekend's experience you know just gave you guys a bit of insight into you know just what's happening in the meta you know the kind of decks we saw our impressions of you know just if anybody couldn't make it last weekend you know we're boots on the ground reporting back yep um so time for our uh signature segment Game from the closet. Is that so, the signature segment? I thought there was pick pass prey. No, that's not, Taylor's. That's Taylor's. Okay, I didn't, didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to steal it from okay. him. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're gonna skip pick pass prey. Okay. Um, so we're gonna go straight to game from the closet. Okay. Here at the Attack Action Podcast, we love to play many board games, and sometimes we like to share one of them with you guys. This might not be the best board game in the world or our favorite, but it's one we really love and we hope you may enjoy as well. Today's board game from the closet is Mitch's board game. Uh, I'm going to go with Ticket to Ride, Rails and Sales. Ooh, nice. Yep. Uh, You know, I've been playing Ticket to Ride for a long time and I've always enjoyed it. It's just a game that you can pick up and play. There's no setup really required and even like a beginning player can can learn it and do well at it. Uh, Rails and Sales like picks it up a little bit. It's still like um, maybe a little harder for like a first timer, but it's still pretty good. You play on a giant map that's the whole world, and it's two sided. You get to play the world and the Great Lakes, which is cool. And there's boats and trains, so that's cool. Um, 
I don't know. I've had a lot of good times playing it. I hope you do too. I agree. That's a great game. Um, it's like you said, like a begin somebody who's never played a board game can sit down and play it. And also like as avid board gamers, we still really love to play it. Yeah. So that's like kind of a rare thing. Yeah. And I do appreciate those games because yeah, sometimes like, I don't know when you're not invested in the game to like be good at it on the third time around and have a chance at winning. I do appreciate those games too, but especially when you got like random people coming into your group and like playing board games, it like really helps to kind of, uh, start with something that they can be competitive in. Um, so yeah, always had a good time with it. Highly recommend it. Nice. Take it to ride yeah. rails and sails. Um, I have so many riddle me. This is from this set, but I haven't really articulated one. So, uh, all right, off the top of my head. All right, uh, riddle me this. Any of the talismans from Everfast? <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten like, I've I've tested a little bit with Talisman of Featherfoot and Katsu, and I think it's okay. It's not fantastic. A lot of times you end up wanting to like plus one with ancestral empowerment to get the mass trigger, uh, or something like that, and then you end up fizzling it. Um, but I, I could see its potential if you run like lunging presses and ancestral empowerments, and then like your uh, breaking scales basically allows you to like start in the middle of a combo chain and keep going, which is cool. Um, but that's the closest I've got to cracking this riddle. Nice. Maybe recompense for Katsu also. Totally. So you could like pitch a red for Kadachis. I'm calling it recompense is really good. Yeah. But get back to me on that. I need the answers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them are really powerful. Like the one that if your opponent plays two of the same card, they discard two cards. Um, yeah. It's not really powerful now. But if you played that turn one, then for the rest of the game, it sits out there and they're playing like, you know, Lightning Black Briar with like nine plunder runs or whatever. Then they can like never play two of those cards. There's yeah, a lot of a lot I mean, of decks that run nine of a card. Yeah, I mean, who are the legit targets for that? Like right now, on like Mob Skies, or not something? many. Or yeah, not many at the moment. Yeah, just like Ninja on hundred wins. I don't know. And it doesn't have go again to play the potion because blue. That amulet doesn't. Um, no, they. Oh God, I don't have these pulled up, but. Uh, some of them, some of the blue ones do have go again, hmm. like the talisman of balance or whatever. If you don't have a an arsenal card, oh yeah, then hmm. it puts the top card of your deck in arsenal. That one does have go again and is blue to play. So anyway, that one could we be digress. Yep. Uh, thanks for joining us to discuss our latest pro quest adventure. Um, and share some, you know, Katsu insight and a different perspective on the game. Yeah. Um, I think you don't have to play the very top tier deck to have a good time. So. Totally. Yeah. And I don't know. I think to a lot of, like, the best players out there, like, I don't think the goal is necessarily to win everything or, I don't know. I think, <laughs> in, like, even in sports, like, the best athletes are sometimes the ones who just enjoy it the most. So, yep. 
The best climber in the world is the one having the most fun. Alex Lowe. Is that the one that climbs no ropes? <laughs> I don't think well, that's fun. It's a quote. It's, no, it's not. But it's just a quote that you could apply to uh, flesh and blood anyway. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Good night. Adios. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at The Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Battle Bro Taylor and at Battle Bro Isaac. Shoot us an email, The Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.